Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Salzberg, editor of the Herald Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. And today we're going to talk with Indiana University Vice President and Director of Athletics, Fred Glass. You can join us on the program by calling 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And our website is wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. Excuse me for my voice today. Hi, Bob. It's kind of ridiculous. If I couldn't see you, I wouldn't be sure it was you. It's truly me. But, you know, if we'd had the show two days ago, I I would just be, you know. Sign language. And that doesn't really play so well on radio. Fred, thanks for being here. Oh, thrilled to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Very nice to have you. You've been a busy guy. It has been. (laughs) It's been busy really almost the two years since I've got here, but especially lately with the change in the football program has been uh, kind of 24-7. So Yeah. Can you kind of take us back to that? I mean, I know that this was not an easy decision for you to make. Um, I know everybody has a great deal of respect for Bill Lynch and uh, wanted him to succeed. So, you know, what was the sort of deciding factor for you? Yeah. Well, and you can certainly count me in that group. I mean, I've had a great deal of respect for him since, you know, he was the quarterback of St. Pius grade school and every Catholic in the boy on the north side of Indianapolis thought he was all it uh, at Chittard and and then through a great career at Butler and so forth and so on. And I was very hopeful that, uh, you know, he would be successful. But as the as the season wore on, last two or three games, uh, it became clear that, to me anyway, that it at least needed to be evaluated on whether we continued on or made a change and and uh, started having that conversation with Bill. I didn't want to suddenly knock on his door one day and, and uh, have an edict. Um, so we engaged in a conversation. I was pretty candid about what I thought I, what I thought my options were and and, um, and uh, we both concluded uh, that um, we really needed to clean it up the day after the bucket game. So whether it was a vote of confidence or announcing we were changing the program, we'd do it the next day because at least it was my view, and, and, I, and, and Bill, I think, agreed that, 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 that leaving him kind of twisting in the wind a little bit, even for a few days, wouldn't be good for anybody. So um, I uh, you know, planned for the worst and hoped for the best, uh, started talking to people about what um, – what 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 change would look like uh, without deciding to make the change? I committed myself to sleep on the bucket game and and not uh, and not decide until that Sunday morning. That's what I did. But I, you know, there's an awful lot to it. But the bottom line is, three Big Ten wins in three years isn't the makings of an extension. And there, there's an awful lot of closes and progresses and all that. But but at least in my view, and I'm the one that has to decide for better or worse. I felt like. I couldn't send a message that at Indiana University, one win, <clears throat> one Big Ten win a year was good enough. And once I made that decision, I had to think, well, how would it work with him fulfilling the contract to see how that last year goes? And then either he, you know, um, has the demonstrated uh, improvement that's necessary to then extend or not. And I concluded that that was really unworkable because. Um, Everybody would be on pins and needles. Every statement, every drop pass, every thing, and everybody would be on edge. And there would be the natural step back in recruiting. And concluded that that really wasn't uh, wasn't a viable option. So concluded need to make a change. And and so we announced it right away. I thought that was the cleanest way to do it. Although I think I think Bill agreed, even though he would have liked the other uh, decision. He, as you would expect, took it like a champ. Very professional, only cared about his players and his assistant coaches, not a word about himself. Um, and then, uh, and then we had a little bit of a rolling start because of our contingency planning. And I was committed to making the, the new selection absolutely as quickly as possible. I tried to lower expectations by talking about let's get the right guy and and not the fast guy. Um, but I had really hoped that that we would be on a timetable where we would announce it around the time when we ended up doing that. And and you jump off the cliff, you don't know who you're going to find because you you can't start dating until you're divorced. You know, you can't think about, you know, who you're going to take up with until you're sure that the current coach isn't the one that uh, you're going with. And But we, we, you know, we reached out to a handful of people after looking at dozens of people. And, and frankly, the, almost, almost the, the first few minutes I met Kevin Wilson, um, I really felt like he was the right guy. Mm-hmm. And so, what made you think that? Um, well, 
I had done my homework in terms of all the objective pieces. You know, I knew about him winning the Frank Broyles Award for the top assistant coach in the country, being a finalist for that one other time. Um, the pedigree of Bob Stoops for nine years, one of the most highly regarded coaches and one of the most highly regarded coaching trees in the country. I knew about his 12 years with Randy Walker, um, um, a fabulous coach and cut out of the uh, Bill Mallory, um, Terry Hupner. Um, uh, cloth. I knew about him walking on as a lineman and earning a scholarship at North Carolina, being the valedictorian of his class, um, having a master's degree as well as a, a bachelor's degree from a fine school like uh, the University of North Carolina, um, the players he'd sent to the pros and so forth and so on. But ultimately, that's a resume. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, and you don't hire resumes, you hire people. And I wanted to take the measure of the guy. And, uh, and uh, you know, he's a very impressive person. He's very focused. Um, he is uh, uh, um, determined. He's confident without being cocky. He's funny. He's a family guy. Um, you know, he's 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 been a hot commodity, but he stayed with one guy for nine years and another guy with twelve years. So, based upon the objective resume, the 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 opinions of people whose judgment I value in the in the sport, and then my personal connection with him and belief that he's got the it factor. Um, really made me feel like he was the right guy, even though he's got to jump up a notch from being, you know, the, the lead assistant to the head coach, which is a big jump. Mm-hmm. Now, you gave him a seven-year contract, so that's a, that's a pretty long t- long-term contract for a new guy. It, it is. I'd say the standard's uh, five years, but I, I thought there were, there were two reasons to do that, perception and reality. Uh, in terms of reality, I wanted this coach to uh, to feel like he had the time to do things right. We weren't, we were going to stick stick with him through thick and thin. Um, and then the perception that Indiana University was getting behind somebody and sticking with him. And over the years, for reasons that have been under our control, haven't been under our control, for some tragic reasons, um, you know, we just haven't stuck with anybody since Bill Mallory. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and it, this was hard to say to Bill, but I told Bill, I said, you know, we need to get with somebody and stick with them, and, 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 and I think it needs to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. All right. Our phone number is 855-0811-1877-285-9348. And our web address is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, so what's been happening since you hired him? I know he's going to stay on the staff at uh, Oklahoma for the bowl. So right. he's been here, right? He's been here. He hasn't left since he came for the announcement. Um, he uh, has been working on assembling a staff. Um, he's been working on getting to know the current players. That was really important to him. Was able to put those to put the players through workouts. He's been having one-on-one meetings with his players. Uh, he said, "Hey, how can I really be effective at recruiting and knowing who I want to recruit if I sort of don't know what I have?" Mm-hmm. And, and so I've been pleased that he's been focused on the current student athletes. Uh, he's been engaging with the assistant coaches. Um, I, I, I believe we've. Um, <coughs> taken unusually good care of, of the assistant coaches. We've given them uh, really more than their contracts uh, call for because it's the right thing to do. And they've been around and been engaged with uh, Kevin. He's very straight up. Hey, he's told them, you know, I don't know if, what I'm going to do, but but if you'd like to be around and help sort this out, that'd be great. And he says, don't come at 6 a.m. and stay till 10 to prove what a hard worker <laughs> you are. I know, I know who you guys are. And take your kids to school and go to your CYO games and um, ballet recitals and so forth. Um, so he's got a he's got a real refreshing down to earth uh, uh, approach, but he's a hard worker and he's mm-hmm. been working hard since he's been here. Has he uh, made any progress in finding his assistant coaches? Yeah, he, he really has. Um, um, he he has multiple scenarios. He's, he's a very organized, list oriented person. So he and I kind of relate to each other. I think that way. And he's got a variety of scenarios with I think very very positive uh, people on his on his list. Mm-hmm. Some folks like me who are a little bit less interested in sports and a little bit more interested in academics look at, to a new coach and say, "What's his? How do how do his players do scholastically?" Yeah, um, Oklahoma's APR is only uh, seven points less than Indiana's APR, and APR is basically a snapshot of how well. Um, students are progressing toward getting their degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we could have a two-hour radio show about the intricacies of that, but 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 graduation rates, which are often talked about, mm-hmm. trail reality by about six <laughs> years. So the APR is the NCA's way of having a better snapshot of where you are based upon the retention and the pro- progress toward degree that your players have. And not surprisingly, Indiana's has a very, very good APR. We're in the top 20% of the country. I think it's 969 on a 1,000-point scale. Oklahoma's is just six points behind us. They have the highest um, 
uh, APR in the Big 12. And I don't want to damn them with fake praise, but you know, they, they, they do lead the Big 12 and have for, for many, many years. And, 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 and Kevin strikes an interesting um, juxtaposition. He said, you know, at Oklahoma, which is a football school, mm-hmm. they had to fight and, and, and push and demand excellence in academics as well as football. At Northwestern, which is an academic school, they had to fight and push and impress the, uh, the importance of football. So he's seen it on, on both ends. Miami, you know, likes to call itself a, one of the great uh, public ivies. And, and so, um, you know, um, between Miami and Northwestern, um, you know, I think he's got a real strong track record of succeeding at an academically oriented school. And Oklahoma, even though it's not uh, always thought of as, a, as an academic school, they've done very well. Um, academically there. And he's bringing a family to Bloomington, yes? Yeah, his wife, Angie, is delightful. They have five kids between second grade and ninth grade. And that's one of the ways I was really taken with the guy, because when I went out to visit him, um, he brought us into his home. His kids were at school. um, But he's really comfortable in that environment. This was a big deal for him. I mean, you know, this is an opportunity to be a D1 coach. But, you know, the dog was jumping on me with his, with his <laughs> stuffed bird that I was throwing, and the cat was walking across my shoulder, and <laughs> Angie was wandering in, and they were having sidebars about how they were going to get to Dallas and who was driving who and who was taking who to practice. And I loved that because yeah. it was very real, and he was obviously very engaged with his family, and he wasn't trying to um, um, shutter that away from this professional opportunity. And in these jobs – the personal and the private uh, and the professional blur, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was uh, it was significant to me that he was very comfortable with that as part of his life. Yeah, I'd like to do a show with coaches' wives sometimes yeah. because sometime here because I think that they lead uh, they carry a lot uh, of burden on their their shoulders. They really do, and it, 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 it is it's, it's almost a throwback. You know, when I was a young lawyer, the older lawyers would talk about we. You know, we went to law school and we. You know, we're young, uh, you know, associates mm-hmm. and, and all that. And that's changed, I think, in some ways for the good, for the good as, as there's been more independent um, careers with, mm-hmm. with spouses. But football is a little bit of a throwback, mm-hmm. and I think it's because it's so demanding. Um, and, the, and the coaches of wives really are part of a partnership. <clears throat> yeah, and the, the demands of recruiting, I don't think everybody realizes what's involved in in recruiting can you talk about that just a little bit for a a football coach especially a guy like him who's coming in um really as you said assessing what he has but then he's got to go out there and build a program yeah absolutely you know there's a there's a saying in sports that it's not as much about the x's and o's x's and o's as it is about the toms and joes (laughs) it's more who you've got to you know play than than being a mastermind uh, Mm -hmm. strategist so recruiting is probably the top five uh, important things for any coach, um, and uh, and it is it's incredibly demanding, and especially in this uh, you know media driven uh, age with social media and everybody with a computer and a, and a basement and a, and a mom <laughs> upstairs cooking meatloaf can 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 put out a, a scouting report and grade people and and it can be very overwhelming, but it's it's. Um, it, 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 as you suggest, it's demanding in terms of identifying people, evaluating them, establishing relationships. Um, and when you're putting together a new staff, um, it's really almost overwhelming on all the things that, that, that have to come together to have an effective recruiting program. Now, I know you mentioned that they've come from uh, having been at Northwestern at one point, so they're familiar with the Midwest. Um, have you had the whole family here then for a visit so they know what they're getting into? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Angie's from Cincinnati. Oh, great. So that's uh, fabulous. And, I, I, and, and um, you know, given his time at Miami and, and uh, Northwestern, they you know, have a very Midwestern uh, uh, piece of their history. And then, you know, Kevin likes to point out that he lived in Chapel Hill, then lived in Oxford. He didn't really love living in Chicago. Norman's a bit of a college town. And mm-hmm. so Bloomington is very comfortable to him and and, uh, and, and uh, probably is the pick of that pretty good litter in terms of, of college towns. Uh, they brought the five kids in. You know, they had varying degrees of enthusiasm for the, for the move. Um, teenage <laughs> yeah. girls being involved and so mm-hmm. forth. But but, you know, I think they really started to fall in love with the place. And uh, um, I think they're really eager to, to set up shop and be here for a long time. Well, we look forward to having them. Yeah, they're a great family. All right. 855 This is a tough one today. Um, and the website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Fred, could you talk about the money? 
because I know there are some people that will raise their eyebrows at <clears throat> the, the salary. Right. Um, we uh, uh, made a commitment to, in this change, uh, providing the resources we felt like would be necessary to attract the talent we wanted to, not only the head coach, but in the assistant coaches as well. So uh, Kevin's salary is going to be $1.2 million a year. It's almost twice what Bill Lynch was making. The uh, uh, budget that I've given him for his nine assistants is going to be $2 million, which is about twice what um, uh, Bill's assistants were making. And, you know, money's not the be-all and end-all, but, but, you know, you've got to be competitive. And even at the $1.2 million, um, he's probably still the ninth or tenth uh, ranked coach in terms of pay in the Big Ten Conference. So that feels like a lot of money to us. Uh, it is a lot of money. Um, but competitively, um, we're still two or three from the bottom in the conference. But I think much more legitimate in the, in the, in the range uh, that we're paying. And frankly, I didn't want to go through the pain of, 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 of a coaching change, especially with a wonderful guy like Bill Lynch, if we weren't going to be committed to putting the resources in it necessary to attract um, you know, strong, uh, a strong successor. So the 1.2 is a straight salary, and then there are opportunities in addition to that for coaches to have additional income through endorsements. Is that right? Well, actually, the 1.2 breaks out into about $500,000 um, in a base salary and 600000 in recognition of those outside opportunities for income. It used to be back in the day that, that, that coaches would have a base salary, and then they were just entrepreneurs on, on everything else they could raise. And and the university has subsequently thought, you know, those 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 opportunities ought to belong to the university, and we'll compensate the coach for that. Mm-hmm. But when they make money on endorsements or radio shows or so forth and so on, that money comes into the into the into the university. Oh, thanks for clarifying yeah, that. I yeah. didn't realize how that worked, and yeah, I would think a new, that a, a, a coach would almost need an agent to handle all the endorsement opportunities yeah. uh, that must come their way. Yeah. Um, I apologize for asking all these non-sports questions, no, but I warned you ahead of time. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a super big sports person, so I'm inter- but I am interested in the kind of the periphery of of the whole thing. Sure. One thing I really like, um, Fred, that you have put out there over and over again is the spirit of Indiana, 24 sports, one team. Mm-hmm. What's the genesis of that, and, and um, what kind of an impact has that had on all 24 teams? Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you asking about that, and I could talk uh, for probably two or three shows about that, but I'll try to uh, – because this is what really excites me. I mean, I, you know, I love sports and all that, but frankly, this, the leadership part of it is more interesting to me than mm-hmm. you know, whether you're you – know, play this team or that team or, or run this play or that play. Um, and it really came out of conversations with the coaches of a feeling that maybe the uh, student-athletes weren't coming as equipped as they had been in previous years to be leaders, uh, to be accountable. And, and maybe that's nostalgia. Maybe every coach mm-hmm. has said that for 100 years. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's a part of this uh, phenomenon of helicopter parents, uh, kids mm-hmm. being led around by the nose. You know, when I was a kid, I left at 8 in the morning, and my mom didn't see me again until 8 that night, and I was riding my bike to the softball lot and to the corner drugstore and all that stuff. And <laughs> and now, you know, it's like I think there's ballet lessons and AAU, and especially for elite young athletes, they're highly programmed in terms of, you know, year-round competitions. And sometimes I think they land at school, and they're like, well, you know, who's going to tell me what to do? And and at this level, the coaches want them to lead and be accountable and be responsible and and drive their own uh, train. So um, we coming out of that, we created this thing called the Excellence Academy, uh, which is a result of a lot of conversations with faculty, coaches, student athletes themselves, and it's a it's a sequential, deliberate program that goes through all four years of uh, of uh, school where the kids take some university classes, but also some programming through the department, opportunities for reflection, community service, that we hope instills in them what we call the Spirit of Indiana 24 Sports One Team, which is a set of traits that we expect our students and everybody in the athletic department, frankly, to have um, um, because we think it's important not just to say, well, we want to have great kids. Well, what are we really getting at? Mm-hmm. And if it's important enough to say, it's, impor- it's important enough to write down. And, and we set them out. The, the genesis of that, and this seems kind of pedestrian and maybe goofy, but the, but the reality is um, I, I went to this school in Indianapolis called Burbuff Jesuit. Mm-hmm. It's a Jesuit school. The Jesuits have been 
uh, teaching leaders for about 500 years. Uh, my kids went there. I was chairman of the board. Um, so we've been very involved in that, and they have this thing called the graduate at graduation or grad at grad. And it's five traits they expect every kid at Rebuff to have when they graduate from school. And they're on the, it's in the walls, in the hallway. It's up on the uh, DS at uh, graduation. It's, it's, it's everywhere. You can't get away from it. And, and, and I'm here to tell you that not every kid that graduates from Rebuff has these traits. I've got four of them, and, and, and they, don't, they don't have it across the board. But every teacher is expected to uh, instill those traits through their curriculum, whether they're teaching history, religion, organic chemistry, physics, mm-hmm. whatever. And, and those traits are uh, being intellectually competent, loving, religious, open to growth, and committed to justice. Um, and they've got a plan. And they and they and they and they hammer it home every day. Well, that was sort of the inspiration, which is a good word for copying. Um, that was the inspiration <laughs> for us saying twenty four sports one team, and it focuses around our priorities: following the rules, achieving academically, excelling athletically, being integrated into the community, um, being responsible, accountable, and being part of something bigger than ourselves. Um, and it's on the back of everybody's business card. It's on the wall of the weight room. It's in every coach's office. It's on the back of the scoreboard in the football stadium. And I think it's also empowering for all the sports. You know, it's because a lot of it is about basketball and football. Mm-hmm. But but when we say every day twenty four sports one team, I mean you know that means the softball team. It means the field hockey team. It means uh, some of the teams that don't get as much attention. So that's uh, that's that's uh, that's our focal point. It's it's both uh, descriptive and aspirational. And something that we you know we talk about and work on every day. How segregated are the different teams within your program? I mean, do they have an opportunity to interact as 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 a whole? Yeah, that's a fabulous question because um, traditionally I think they were much more separate. Mm-hmm. But um, because of us uh, recently opening the largest strength and conditioning center in the country, that's for all of our sports, and that's a great. Um, uh, place where the student-athletes can gather and get to know each other across sport. Um, also, our new academic center is for all the sports. That's a great place for the kids to get to know each other. And mm-hmm. we preach this 24 sports, one team. And you know, I don't want to get down too much in the weeds, but we have programs where um, the kids earn points toward being named you know, the Champs Life Skills champion by, by supporting other teams. So you go to the volleyball game. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if they go to each other's games. They go to each other's games. You go to the volleyball game. There's football players, softball players. Um, um, uh, They they do go to each other's games. They learn from each other. And I think that's because we've, we've both through our facilities and programmatically We've tried to create an environment where there's more of that cross-pollination. You're going to end up officiating at athletes' weddings before this is over, Fred. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. I'd love that it. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. You could have another job just duty added to yeah. your description. Well, i got to tell you, I'm enjoying listening since I can't talk very well today. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. We're going we're gonna to take a short break. It's, uh, we're halfway through the program with Fred Glass. We're talking about IU Athletics. You can uh, join us by phone at 855-0811. Or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight, and our web address is wfiu.org/noonedition. We'll be right back. This is Noon Edition on WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville. Information at smithville.net. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcast directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. Programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as Play and Opera Reviews are all available on demand. Find out more at WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting South Central Indiana. Listen at 11.33 a.m., 11.55 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. to catch that day's feature. They're also archived on our website, WFIU.org.
Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, along with Mary Catherine Carmichael. And our guest today, Fred Glass, the Athletic Director of Indiana University. And I'm going to give the phone numbers because it's easier for me to do it than it is for Bob. Um, please join the program by calling 855-0811 locally, or you can use our toll-free number 1-800, or I'm sorry, 1-877-285-9348. Our website is wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. We'd love to hear from you, and I can't imagine that all of our IU sports fans out there don't have a question yeah. for Fred Glass. Well, I have one before my voice goes. Okay, you uh, make hay while the sun shines, Have Bob. you ever been around anybody that works harder than Tom Crean? Um, I have not. He, he's got the most amazing motor. It's going all the time. And I, I love uh, how curious he is because he works so hard on basketball, but, but he's always learning, always writing things down, always asking great questions. Um, and uh, he is he is going out all the time now. Kevin Wilson may be a close second. I mean, those guys. I'm, I'm afraid we may spontaneously combust as an apartment with, uh, with those with those two guys under one roof. But uh, yeah, Tom's a real deal, and and um, I'm awfully glad that he's here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your background a little bit. You mentioned um, growing up in Indianapolis, going mm-hmm. to Brebeuf. Um, did you you went to IU? Mm-hmm. Tell us more about that. Um, uh, came down to IU from an IU family. My mom has two degrees, and, and now I have two degrees. And my daughter has in? a degree, uh, political science, so I had to go to law school um, sure. if I wanted to get a job. So I, I, I did that. I, I actually met my wife in Memorial Stadium um, at a football game, and we actually got uh, engaged. I proposed to her in Brown County State Park after a football game. I always like to emphasize they were different games because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really um, operate uh, that quickly. But, you know, I use in our, in, in our blood mm-hmm. and um, stayed, you know, uh, generally connected with the university. This job came out of left field. I never aspired to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it you were an assistant for Governor Bai. I was, yeah. I worked uh, in and, – and public service was a fabulous um, – uh, preparation for this for this job. I never really thought about it that way until I've been struck by the by the commonality of um, because really you know working in the university I think is public service um, oh. and uh, and I've sort of been trained in that in terms of transparency. I think sometimes people feel like well don't get in my business and and I'm like well we're in the university it's everybody's business really and there's no secrets and all those things you kind of learn in government. Um, working through complex organizations, trying to set and achieve goals, um, trying to generate public support for what you're trying to do. Uh, all those things that that, that, that that I had the opportunity to work on, you know, in, in public service in, in government have, I think, translated really well. So, you know, I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing as, as an athletic director, but I think as someone that's, you know, been involved in leading complex organizations, that's, that's probably where my strength is. And hiring good people. And hiring good people, absolutely. Yeah. Now, you have a history of taking jobs that are um, demanding, <laughs> both, I think, emotionally and, and time, uh, from a time perspective. Um, tell us about your family. Um, I have uh, four children, and um, and uh, like I said, Barb and I uh, met here at IU. She was a senior, and I was a junior. I always say she robbed the cradle because she's 11 <laughs> whole months older than I am. Um, and we've shared the passion for public service. Uh, she's been active in government and politics uh, over the years. We have four kids. Our oldest, Katie, is getting married this spring. Uh, she has a wonderful fiancé, Tom Askey. And my oldest son graduated from Mark- – she graduated from the Kelly School lives in Chicago. My oldest son graduated from Marquette University. He's in Philadelphia working in a homeless shelter. He's in a one-year service project with the uh, Franciscan Volunteer Ministry. I'm really proud of him for doing Mm -hmm. that. Uh, My next son is a freshman here at IU, just took his last final yesterday. Um, And then my youngest is a sophomore at Burbuff. Excellent. Wow. So you're close to being an empty nester, but not quite. Close. And I I think I could get – I mean, I'm I'm treasuring every minute with my youngest, but I think this empty nest thing is something I could be okay with. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard it's good stuff. I haven't experienced it myself yet, but we'll see. I I think I can ask a question. Okay, you do. You know, there's been a lot of – a lot of heat, I guess, on the uh, Big Ten's decision to name the new divisions in football the legends and the leaders – um, and I know that wasn't a decision that you were involved in making, but could you uh, sort of talk about – I mean, did they ask for input from the athletic directors or anybody, or or did Mr. Delaney just make that call? 
Um, there was general input, but nothing super specific. I think I think there was like an AD on the committee and a, and a and a faculty representative on the committee, and they were very focused. I think on on, on announcing this without leaking out. I, I heard about it probably late, probably later than most people did because I wasn't paying that much attention to it. I've got some ways bigger fish to fry, and sure. really didn't worry uh, too much about that. Um, so you know, I've got a lot of confidence in in Jim, and 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 you know, I I think it's it's so different that it's maybe initially unappealing, but 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 I do think it underscores what the Big Ten likes to say about itself, and and uh, we'll see how it goes, and 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 maybe it'll stick, maybe it won't. It's actually a very small part of what's happening, though, yeah. because it all has to do with the expansion into the twelve team league and the addition of of Nebraska for next year. I thought Kevin Wilson had a great line about that when. He said, you know, that they weren't on the schedule next year, so if if they were to play, it would mean that they were both, that I guess IU and Nebraska were both in the uh, Big Ten championship game, and he didn't know if Nebraska would make it or something like that. I mean, yeah, I love it. He's <laughs> like, we, may, we may play in Nebraska if they're good enough to win their division, which is just the kind of attitude I think we really need and are looking for. I thought that was fabulous. So, what what do you think about the the expansion and, and adding Nebraska? Well, I think it's the best thing since canned soup. You know, um, I, you know, I, I'm a traditional guy. I grew up here, grew up in Big Ten country, and I liked when the Big Ten was the Big Ten. And in basketball, you played a reverse round robin where you started with Wisconsin, you ended up with Northwestern, then you played Northwestern again, you ended up with Wisconsin. You played on Saturday afternoons and Tuesday nights, and football kickoffs were always the same time. And and you know, I love that stuff. And you know, in a perfect world, you know, nothing would ever change from when you're you know. 12 years old but but the reality is everything's changed you know i use changed eli Lilly's changed um you know arthur anderson is gone i mean all, all the herald all, times has changed the herald times has changed. <laughs> um and so and so things change but i think because of jim delaney's visionary leadership the big 10 is poised to be a winner in all this first with the addition of penn state and then with the addition of uh nebraska uh, and and importantly his vision for the big 10 network because by capturing the value of the Big Ten network and monetizing that, as, as they would say over in the business school, um, the uh, Big Ten is going to be successful financially. And, and I sort of laugh to myself when people say, well, that's just about money. It's like, uh, yeah, it is about money, but it's not money to put in the bank. It's money to you know, pay for your field hockey team's trip to Florida and, and improve your facilities and have more academic support. I mean, we buy stuff with it that helps us with our mission on, on, on educating and developing um, student-athletes. Nebraska's addition really pushes us along that way. Number one, they're compatible. They're an AAU school. Um, they're, uh, you know, they're, they represent their state. Um, they're academically uh, positive. I, I'm very, I take a lot of pride in the fact that every school in the Big Ten is a member of the AAU, which is a fancy research university club. There's only 60 schools in the country are in it. All 12 are in the Big Ten are in it. And by the way, the SEC has two in it. So, so we, we really are an academic conference. We added an academic fit, a Midwestern school. They're geographically uh, contiguous to us. And um, just the title game, uh, football title game money alone will, will mean multiple millions of dollars to each institution that I'll use to you know, pay for coaches' salaries, facility improvements, academic advisors, strength and conditioning coaches, so forth and so on. So um, I, I, think it's, I think it's, you know, the nostalgia, the traditionalist in me wishes nothing ever changed, but, but, but to be successful – uh, what Darwin say? It's not the strongest that survives; it's the most adaptable. Um, you know, the Big Ten is adapting, and I think clearly is the premier athletic conference in the country. Eight five five zero eight one one or one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. If you have a question for Indiana University Athletic Director Fred Glass, whom we're very happy to have with us this afternoon, uh, we have a call from Richard. I think we can go right there. Nope, we lost Richard. He was here. Now he's gone. Wow. Next, we'll try something else. Talking about nostalgia, um, Fred. You know, I grew up in the sixties and seventies. Three big brothers. I felt like I grew up at a ballpark. Um, we went from one sport to another: high school basketball, football. Babe Ruth in the summer. You don't see that as much anymore. It seems like kids are expected to specialize early on. Are you going to be a baseball player or are you going to play soccer or are you going to play basketball? And then once you make that choice, 
parents are really asked to um, make a huge commitment to that um, in a way that, as a parent, it feels a little less healthy to me than the way it used to be. When you took this job, were you surprised by the level of kind of professionalization of amateur sports, or was that something you were already familiar with? What's, what's your take on that whole situation? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I, 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 I unfortunately wasn't that surprised about it because having four kids that had gone through high school, I'd seen it up close. Not because my kids are elite athletes, they're not. Um, although I had a I had a rule with them that every semester they had to be in either a sport or a major extracurricular because I mm-hmm. thought that was a very important part of of high school involvement. And they, they played all different kinds of sports because, like me, they're not particularly good at, at any of them. But, um, <laughs> That's almost a blessing. But, well, yeah, in some ways it was, but it was a real window into what else was going on. Mm-hmm. And it just it really made me sad to see kids at 11 years old being pushed to choose between volleyball and basketball. And, and, and I think it, it has all kinds of unintended consequences. I, I, you know, I, I There's no proof of this, but I think the high incidence of ACLs being torn and all that is just the wear and tear of these kids playing – you know, year-round one sport using one set of uh, muscles and stuff all the time. And, I, you know, I, I, I look back – I feel like Grandpa, but, you know, I look <laughs> back on – you know, we played whatever sport was in season. We ran – we organized our own things. We didn't have, you know, club sports. We didn't have all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it, it's a real-life thing. I don't really like it. Um, but, um, but, but, but aren't you part of a system that perpetuates it? Um, Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose that's right. Um, I, su- I suppose that is right. You know, back in the day, the um, the the you know Tony Hinkle at Butler, the football coach was the track coach, was the baseball coach, and the assistant track coach was the assistant baseball coach. And not surprisingly, there was a lot more flexibility on kids playing on the baseball team and the football team. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, you know, every assistant coach wants to be the head coach, and the way they do that is by having the guys they're responsible for be the best, and they're not going to give much margin for people that want to do other things. And then the sad thing is that perpetuates itself down. You go to a CYO game, and you've got these idiots with headphones on the sidelines that think they're Bill Belichick, and unfortunately, <laughs> they model themselves oftentimes under Bill Belichick, um, and and you know, just are so you know hard on these kids and all this ridiculous stuff, and then and then just our society generally is, in, mm-hmm. in my view, is over specialized. I mean, there's a blog for every point of view. There's a there's a website for every point of view. If you're one kind of person, you watch Fox. If you're another kind of person, you watch MSNBC. And there's no Walter Cronkite to kind of bring us together to have a have, have sort of common experiences. And it gets that way in sports too. It's just mm-hmm. super focused on particular things, and I just don't think that's good with our kids. And, and as I talked about earlier, I think it produces kids who are less ready to, to uh, be independent at, at college. Our coaches see that. And maybe some of it's nostalgia, but maybe some of it's we're uh, you know, reaping what we sow. Okay. Right. Well, we've got Richard back, so let's go ahead and go to Richard. Thank you. Richard? Uh, yeah. First, I just want to say I think uh, Ken Wilson's hire is a really great job by you. Uh, I like the fact that you're willing to put the money into the program to try to take it up a level. Um, but uh, the one thing I wanted to say was I've gotten a lot of grief from uh, some of my more academic friends about the money, the, the salary, and this sort of stuff. And you touched briefly on uh, the all the money the athletics and, and things contribute to the university, and I wondered if you could probably expand on that a little so that maybe they would understand that it actually contributes a whole lot more than it takes away. Richard would like you to help him get his friends off his back. <laughs> well, let me see if I can help you, Richard. First of all, thank you for your kind comments, and thank you for your call, and thank you for the opportunity to clarify what is often a misunderstood aspect of the athletic department. Um, we, we, the athletic department, get no subsidy from the university. Um, we get our money by uh, raising it, uh, that is asking for it, or selling tickets, selling sponsorships, so forth and so on. We're what's called an auxiliary. We are 100% financially independent um, from the university. And we're one of only 14 uh, schools of the 127 that play D1 football that finished in the black. So there's no de facto 
uh, subsidy of the of the athletic department, if you will, because we, we because we ran out of money. And in fact, as Richard, as you allude to, we're probably the biggest customer that the university has because we pay for this education of all these student athletes. The money doesn't fall from heaven. We don't get a voucher from the university. If a kid's an out of state kid, we pay out of state tuition. If he's an in state kid, we pay in state tuition, and we raise that every year. So every year we have to raise the twelve, thirteen million dollars that it costs to educate those kids and we're actually paying money into the school. Now we're getting services back for that. It's not a it's not a free contribution, but it, but but we're a huge, huge um, customer. So none of the monies that are utilized for coaches' salaries or otherwise come out of the hide of the uh, of the academic side of the university, and that's as it should be. The increase we were talking about the uh, increased um, resources we're putting into the football program. Um, those are from dedicated revenue streams that are completely outside the academic uh, flow of the school. There, because one, I rene- we renegotiated the arrangement with our um, media rights partner, Learfield. That's going to add a million dollars annual to our bottom line. And secondly, there's additional monies coming from the Big Ten championship game that that I'm going to earmark for the football program. So it's athletic oriented money. It does not uh, detract from the academic side. In fact, um, I think we're probably a net donor to the university. Okay. Thank you, Richard. Richard. Appreciate your call. Mm -hmm. How autonomous are you? You yourself, who do you answer to? The president. Yeah. In addition to being um, the athletic director, I'm also a vice president of the university. Which was, I think, important both to me and President McRobbie to underscore that that that, that hopefully I have a view that transcends the athletic department mm-hmm. where my university had as well. I, I attend all the um, presidential cabinet meetings with other vice presidents and deans of the school. I really do try to have a broader perspective um, because occasionally, uh, um, the, you know, the, 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 a university hat would have a little different view than an mm-hmm. AD. Um, hat. The president is great. When I took the job, I asked him two questions. Number one, are you going to let me run the athletic department? And his answer was something like, well, hell yes. I'm so <laughs> sick of dealing with athletic stuff. I can spit. So that was an easy one. And then I said, does your commitment to excellence that you have for teaching and research and infrastructure development and our international tradition with uh, Herman Wells, does that extend to athletics? And he assured me that it did. And he's been good to his word. Um, we meet every month, which is significant all by itself. Um, he wants to know what's going on, but he leaves the decisions to me, whether it's, you know, changing the football coach or, or, or renegotiating the deal with Learfield. Um, so uh, one of the ways that um, public service is a great um, preparation for this job is I know what it's like to work for a principal. Mm-hmm. I've worked for a governor. I've worked for a mayor. I've worked for a senator. And, and that's how I treat him, that, mm-hmm. that he's the decision maker. He's not going to be surprised. Whatever he wants is what he gets. But the more I can keep my little world under control, consistent with his broader vision, the better it is for him. Absolutely. I can understand that. Well, we've had a uh, caller who didn't want to go on the air, but he wants to know how long you're planning on staying at IU. Yeah, I want this to be the last job I have. So, you know, I'm 51 years old, and, um, you know, I'd like to do this job till I'm 65. And, and I, I may not be the best athletic director, you know, you ever had, but but if I can just be here for a while, that'll you know what Woody Allen say about ninety percent of life is showing sure. up. Showing you know, up, that's I'm right. I'm the fifth athletic director in eight years, and and no matter how good those people are, you can't get anything going. And I think if I can be here for fifteen years and uh, um, keep some continuity, um, I don't think there's any reason why we really can't look back and feel like it was a golden age mm-hmm. for Indiana University athletics, which is which is what I ultimately want to be a part of. Now I know that. Uh you know, you, you like to look forward, and <clears throat> that's probably the way we ought to be with Indiana uh, athletics these days. But I do want to ask about the, the whole Kelvin Sampson episode mm-hmm. and, and how badly that, you know, hurt the athletic department, and are we beyond it? Um, I don't think you can overstate how bad that was uh, in a whole variety of ways. And just as, a, just as an alumnus, um, you know, I think it really cut us in a way that, that, that people don't understand if, if they're not of and from this place. You know, I mean, people, you know, making fun of you. And the thing that we held most dear, I think, is the fact that we did things the right way and we followed the rules and our kids went to class and they were character kids. And, and, and his program blew all that up in a very public and, 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 and horrific way. So um, I, I don't think you can overstate that. I think that hangover will be with us for a while in, in, in a variety of uh, ways. Um, that's not to say there weren't some good things from that era. You know, I mean, um, 
Um, Rick Greenspan uh, uh, made the North End Zone a possibility, uh, made it a reality. Um, he hired Tom Crean. He hired Sherry Dunbar, hired Tracy Smith. I mean, you know, he did a lot of great things. And I don't want that to ever get lost, you know, in in, in the shuffle. But um, um, sometimes you manage in reaction to what went on before, and 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 maybe the silver lining of that is that we are recommitted in a very express way about our priorities. Number one is compliance. Number two is academic achievement. Number three is athletic excellence. Number four is integration. And frankly. If the person in my chair had compliance as the number one goal, they never would have hired Kelvin Sampson. And and maybe we set the table for that, you know, not, not ever happening again. Well, I just wonder, you know, a lot of people speculated about who the next football coach would be. I mean, you, you said you had some great quotes in our paper about how, well, the people who are talking don't know and the only person who knows isn't talking or whatever. <laughs> um, but I think that most people, when they look at a list – would say, well, Indiana's not going to hire him and not going to hire him and not going to hire him because they have something in their their background and there can't be another Kelvin Sampson. I mean, I, I guess I'm just asking, was that uh, an accurate portrayal of all those people out there speculating? A- absolutely. Um, what I tried to do before my mind got polluted with names to, to put up a straw man of, of you know, who would, what would the perfect person look like? What's the profile of the perfect person? And then we released that after we announced our coach. And number one was committed to the tenets of 24 sports, one team, particularly as to compliance, academics, and character. And if, if there was a compliance, an academics, or a character issue, that person was not considered. And, you know, there's more people with those issues than you might uh, believe uh, once you start scratching below the surface. And so that was just uh, – that was not something we were going to compromise on. You know, we wanted a proven winner. We wanted a proven recruiter. We wanted someone who was mentally tough. We wanted someone who would instill discipline in, in their in their players, command respect among their players uh, and their peers. I, I went in thinking I wanted head coaching experience because that is a big leap from being an assistant mm-hmm. to being a head coach. Um, but ultimately, uh, as we looked at uh, where things were, I concluded that it was more important to me for someone that had experience on the big stage because I think that's a huge leap, you know. Um, you can have somebody, a head coach who's been successful at a lower level, and maybe you've mitigated the risk on hiring a, someone that hasn't been a head coach, but you got a whole heck of a lot of risk that it, that it can just be different moving up to a new level. For every Urban Meyer who's wildly successful going from Utah to Florida, there's probably five Dan Hawkins who is all it at Boise State and then flames out at Colorado. So I wanted somebody who'd been on the BCS stage. Um, and when you started looking at that, I ended up with a lot of coordinators. Um, because those are those are those are guys. Because once they're the head coach, they're they're a little harder to, to get at. But the coordinators have been on the big stage, um, and uh, and 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 are poised to be ready for that. And I think we got the pick of the litter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to ask about a couple other sports because I think you mentioned both uh, Tracy Smith and Sherry Dunbar, and I wanted to mention both of them because um, in Tracy's case, the uh, baseball team has seemed to gone up a notch. And, um, you know, again, I think on the the blogs and in some of the discussions I hear among our sports guys that he could be a person who's ripe for being picked off by a program in the South or a program that plays baseball year-round. Um, what can you do to keep a guy like him? I mean, I know facilities is a big issue. Is that how, how, Where's that on your agenda? Well, it's funny you mentioned that because that exact thing happened. I mean, Tracy had success, and there were there were whispers around the Big Ten that you know Indiana's not going to keep that guy. Um, and Ohio State uh, offered him the job to be the head coach of Ohio State, which has a big stadium, big budget. Um, Jamie's from Ohio, I and mean, there was all kinds of momentum that could have taken him to Ohio. And I was frankly hell bent on trying to draw, trying to draw the line in the sand there that we're not a farm system for somebody else; we're a destination job. And I thought it was important both for baseball and the general perception that we keep Tracy. Mm-hmm. And and I talked to Tracy ab- about that and 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 uh, um, talked to him about what I thought the strengths were of in, at Indiana, and uh, offered him m- more money. Independent, uh, it wasn't contingent upon him getting or not getting the Ohio State job, and just tried to be real straight up with him. And and uh, you know it's a long story, but the short version is he left six figures on the table to stay at Indiana. Uh, to build something as opposed to essentially inherit something, to be in a place where you can walk in the 
um, athletic director's door pretty much any time as opposed to taking an appointment at a place that's more corporate. I mean, they have 36 sports over there. Gene Smith's fabulous, the AD over there, but it's just a different kind of place. Um, and then, ironically, the way these things kind of work out, you know, if we hadn't kept Tracy, we may not have gotten Kevin because those guys were at Miami together. And while I was checking Kevin out, Kevin was checking me out, and one of the people he called was Tracy. Um, and uh, gave Kevin, I think, some comfort that this was the kind of place where he'd like to be. Well, if I'd let Tracy get away to Ohio State, do we close the deal on Kevin Wilson? Maybe, maybe not, um, but it's part of what we're trying to build here. Um, and I, I really take a, a page out of Herman Wells's book. He, he understood that the university becomes famous by getting the best faculty. The coaches are our faculty. Wells couldn't pay those guys top dollar, but he could make them feel – very comfortable. He could make them feel secure. He could give them long-term agreements. Um, he could defend them on matters of, of academic uh, uh, integrity and, and um, um, the Kinsey Institute and all the rest. Mm-hmm. And then he also knows they flock together. So if you get the best math guy, he's going to bring other three other math guys because they want to work together. Well, I'm trying to copycat that with, with coaches. I may not be able to pay them all the top dollar, but I can be competitive. And then they want to stay because it's Bloomington, mm-hmm. because it's the Big Ten because it's a family atmosphere and because they, they like the colleagues with whom they work. I've been at about Sherry Dunbar and the volleyball team's uh, success this year. Yeah, and that's great because it's a local girl makes good. You know, Sherry, Sherry comes back here, Ellettsville uh, product. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can't overstate how bad the volleyball team was in a tough conference. And uh, Sherry, in a very short period of time, is, is taking them to be very competitive, um, sweet 16, um, does it all the right way, and her girls play with a with a passion and a, and, a, and a funness, if that's a word, that is unparalleled. That's their identity, and they're so fun to watch, and they're successful with it. Um, so when you when you and I don't want to leave anybody out, but you know you look at Sherry and Tracy and Todd Yeagley coming back to town, mm-hmm. and now Kevin and and uh, and uh, uh, Tom Crean, and, and, and we just have a cadre of really outstanding coaches. And it goes beyond those guys that I think will will make us able to lay claim to, 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 to being in a new golden age. Yeah. I have to mention my friend uh, Amy Robertson. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fabulous. And Barry mm-hmm. King. So. Right. right. Two sports that don't get a lot of attention, water polo and field mm-hmm. hockey. But. Field hockey got a little attention when I wore a skirt to one of their games because, <laughs> because I told them I would if they beat Louisville. That was that was fun. Yeah. All right. We Did are- you shave? No. Oh, no. Fred. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez, that would have shown me something. <laughs> we are out of time. I apologize for all the coughing and hacking today. But, Fred, thank you very much for being Absolutely. Here. Appreciate the opportunity. It's always enjoyable. Thank you, uh, Mary Catherine. You're welcome, Bob. For all your I hope help. you feel better. For Mary Catherine, producer Dan Goldblatt, and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net.